well, you've come on a special day when we're going to do something that uh, is almost never done in church. And uh, now that I got you nervous, I'll, uh, I'll tell you later what that is. But right now, uh, we're just going to read uh, the story that Jesus told in Luke chapter 15. People like to call this story the parable of the prodigal son, but that's not what Jesus calls it. Jesus calls it the story of the father who had two sons. And the story goes like this. There was a father who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between his sons. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything and there was a severe famine in that whole country, he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out as a citizen, uh, to a citizen of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Then he came to his senses. He said, how many of my father's hired hands have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, but I beg you, please hire me as one of your servants. So he got up and headed toward his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him and ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be your son. And I... But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe, for my son has come home. Put a ring on his finger and sandals for his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. And when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, what's going on? Your brother has come home and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him? My son, the father said, you're always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So we're going to do something that is almost never done in church. Today, we're going to devote a whole sermon to the older son in this story. I have been listening to sermons for about 100 years, and I don't think I've ever heard a whole sermon on the older 
brother, which is strange because the older brother in this parable is not an afterthought by any means in Jesus' mind. In fact, for Jesus, the older son is actually a key to the spiritual truths that Jesus is teaching through this story, such as the spiritual truth that there is more than one way to wander from God. One way to drift from God is, of course, illustrated by the younger son who sets his heart on forbidden fruit and abandons the father to pursue his selfish desires to his ruin. And then there's the other son, the older son, who illustrates the second way to drift from God. The older son separated himself from God, distanced himself from God by staying, choosing to stay out in the father's fields. The older son was devoted to work. The big question is, why? Why is this older son devoted to work and work and work? Well, to answer this question, we need to unfold his attitude of anger. We're told that when the father welcomes home his uh, younger son, uh, he throws a party. And the older son became so angry that he refused to celebrate. What is the older son angry about? The older son is angry at his father for not giving his children what their works deserve. Why is the older son angry? He's angry because his younger brother is not getting what his works deserve in terms of deserving punishment. And he's angry because he feels he is not getting the rewards that his work deserves. And of course, this prideful rationale behind his anger reveals something. It reveals the reason why he's always working in the fields. He's not working because he loves his father. He's working because he wants to deserve something from his father. He's working to earn his father's wealth or blessing or love and approval, which means that in Jesus' story, the older son represents a religious attitude toward God, where being religious means approaching God as a taskmaster who rewards those who work hard and produce good works and a taskmaster who punishes those who do not do good works. And because this older son has this religious attitude, he's filled with judgmental anger toward his younger brother. He's filled with complaining anger toward his father. He is turning away from his father in a huff and refuses to participate in the father's party. And I can be just like this older son and this older brother who proves that being religious separates me from the father just as much as being rebellious. So through this story about a father and two sons, Jesus teaches that there are two ways to wander from God, by being rebellious and by being religious. And some of you are confused. Uh, you're thinking, are you saying what I think you're saying? Are you saying that Jesus is anti-religion? That's right. Based on the Bible, I can tell you with confidence that Jesus is anti-religion because religion is what humans do. Human work 
to please God and to earn God's approval. And the whole reason Jesus came to earth is because religion stinks. Religion doesn't work. Jesus came because I can't earn God's love and approval. Jesus came to die on the cross so that as one by one, we receive the forgiveness that comes with what Jesus did on the cross we one by one receive a father relationship with God that is a gift that I could never earn or ever deserve. And this is what the older brother does not have. The older brother does not have a father relationship with his father. He considers himself a worker and his father a taskmaster. And out of his works religion, out slips these words. Look, all these years, I have been slaving away following your orders. I've been slaving away in the fields. I've been nothing but your slave. A slave? Really? Is this how the son thinks of himself? Yeah, this is how the older son thinks of himself, a slave. This is how he thinks of his father. He's a taskmaster who cracks the whip and gives orders and brings punishment on anyone who does anything wrong and maybe throws out some crumbs of reward to those who do good works for him. But is this the truth about the father? No. We know that the older son has a warped view of who the father is and, and what he wants. We know that the father is really someone much different. We know the father who, and who he really is because in the beginning of the story, we see this father running out to the younger brother. We know that the father is not a taskmaster. He does not punish his kids for wrongdoing. And he does not want his sons as slaves or to feel like slaves or working themselves to death in his fields. How do we know? We know because the younger son tried to come back home under that plan. Before his son could beg for a job in order to come home, the father stopped him mid-speech and said, bring the symbols of sonship to this, this son who has returned, this child has returned. Bring the sandals for his feet. Bring my robe. Bring the family ring that uh, gives him the power to be my full heir, fully restored. The father refuses to listen to the I'll deserve your love, father, by working plan. He won't take his child as a slave. No way. So why is the older brother slaving away in the fields? It's because his whole life is built around a misperception of who his father is and what his father really wants. And I wonder if that's true for you today. It is very possible that you have operated your whole life under a misperception of who God is. You can regularly go to church 
You can be a churchgoer your whole life and still be right now operating under the same misperception as this older son. You can be a Christ follower who has received God's grace over your sins in the past, but when it comes to your daily relationship now in the present, you operate on the basis of religion. You base you raise your relationship with God as a religion because it's a misperception of who the Father really is. The truth is, God doesn't want a religion with me. God wants a relationship with me. What kind of relationship, do you ask? Well, God wants to be the daddy that Jesus describes in the story. A dad who welcomes you home with a hug and a kiss. A dad who puts his arm around your shoulder and laughs and cries just because he loves to be with you. A dad who puts his personal robe around your shoulders and his family ring on your finger so you have all the power that comes with bearing his name and the authority to do good things in his name. A dad who never hovers over you waiting for you to make a mistake so he can punish you. No, a dad who can never love you more because he could never love you less because of any good or bad thing you do. Because this is a, God is a perfect dad who loves you with a perfect love, an unconditional love, a dad who empowers you with his spirit so that you can do good works. Oh yeah, there are good works that come out of a relationship with the Father. But those good works do not come from servitude. They come from gratitude. They don't come from servitude. They come from gratitude of that relationship with the Father. And you know, learning who this Father is and what he really wants is the subject of our Sunday morning small groups that we call Starting Point. They start next week, and we have a seat for you at the 10 a.m. or the 1130 uh, hour. Trust me, the conversations that you will have in this group will be the highlight of your fall, maybe your life. Have I ever steered you wrong? No. So please <laughs> sign up, sign up for Starting Point. All right, so you leave this room, uh, you'll either you know, go to brc.church or just go out of this room, go to the Welcome Center, go to the next steps, sign up for starting point. Back to our story. The story about two sons recorded in Luke chapter 15. And if you look at Luke 15, you'll see that Jesus is addressing two groups in this story. The first group is called the sinners and tax collectors. And these are the younger sons who feel too dirty, too unworthy to come home. The second group are the super-religious people uh, called the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And Jesus uses this storyline of the older son in order to reach this second group, reach these super-religious people. Because you see, that's the big problem for those of us who fall into the older brother way of thinking, religious thinking. We're very slow very slow to recognize our religiosity, and we're blind to the way we, after all, being faithful churchgoers all these years, we're blind to the way that we wander from the Father's arms. How about you? Are you an older brother? Would you just put down your defenses for a moment and let Jesus reach you through this story? 
of the older son. Would you join me in just listening as I let Jesus ask me some questions? Because I think I might be an older brother. So here's some questions for the maybe older brother. The first question Jesus asks me through this story is, do I have an attitude? At the beginning of Luke 15, uh, we're told that even before Jesus started this story, those religious people started muttering. Muttering. That's what the older son does too, right? He mutters about the party that uh, his father throws. He's, he's muttering about the loud music. He's muttering about his father's treatment of his younger brother. He's muttering about all his work. He's muttering about all the suffering in his life, all the work that he has to do and how he never gets a party. If I hear within myself the sound of muttering, I just might be someone who needs to come home. If I find myself judging people I hardly know, if I find myself complaining about my life and how God brings all this suffering in my life that I do not deserve, if I mutter about, about how God does so many other good things for other people, but not for me, it's a sign that I am way out in the fields and I'm far away from the party spirit, the party joy of the father. You know, as a general rule, do you know what older brothers mutter about the most? Proven over time. They mutter the most about their church. There's a party going on here at Black Rock. There's a party. We have young sons and daughters coming home to the father by the hundreds. And if you hear yourself muttering about all how these youngsters don't pay their way and so the church has to keep asking for money, uh, if you're muttering about how you have to park further and further away in the father's fields, if you're muttering about those new strange people who come in an undignified way to celebrate, if you're muttering about how loud the music is, who do you sound like? Come on, listen to yourself. Don't mutter. Join the party. You know, there's another place that older brothers and sisters, uh, they tend to mutter. It's at home. I know husbands and wives who are so critical about each other, they're always griping and sniping about each other. I know parents and kids and brothers and sisters, sons and daughters who are so unforgiving to each other at home. They're always nagging and negative and bringing out the worst in each other. But you know what about these fathers and mothers and sons and daughters and brothers and sisters? They didn't think that they are full-on followers of Jesus, but they're blind. They're blind to their older son attitudes that prove how far they are from the heart of compassion that the father feels for people at home by the way they display so little of the father's mercy they display how far away they are from the embrace of grace of the Father at home. Next question. Am I tired and burdened? When the Father pleads to his older son to join the celebration, he just complains about his years of work. You get the idea that not only is he angry, he's just tired. He's too worn out 
to a party, which is the way it always goes when I serve God out of a religious routine and a religious duty. It's exhausting. It's exhausting to try to earn God's love by my works because you never know if you've done enough. And so you can never rest. Here's another question. Am I loveless toward lost people? The older brother says to his father, this son of yours squandered your property with prostitutes. He doesn't say my brother. He says your son. The older brother has an attitude about those who are lost and separated from the father. And it is not love. Like I said, we've got hundreds of sons and daughters coming home to the Father here at Blackrock. And if this doesn't fill you with just a little bit of joy, check your heart. If this doesn't fill you with a passion to try to jump in and get to know these new sons and daughters and welcome them home and introduce them afresh to the Father, check your heart. If there is no lost one that you are passionately praying for, check your heart. If it's been years since you've invited a lost person to church, you know, you just might be getting old. Next question. Do I secretly envy the rebellious? Because when I study the details, I see this older son actually accuses the father of cheating him out of the good life. He implies that while his younger brother was living the good life in the presence of prostitutes, he was suffering at home with his father. He doesn't get it. And some of us don't get it either. Listen, folks, if I really think that living with the father of heaven is giving up the good life, then just like the older brother, I don't even know the father. If I consider life with God some drag life of punishment and work and work and punishment, then I have a religion with God, not a relationship. Students, if you look at your friends who get drunk all weekend and you wish you could be a rebel like that, then the problem is you don't really know the Father and you have really not experienced the party of his embrace. Everyone else, if you consider uh, yourself a Christ follower and yet you look at the world of greed and lust and more immoral excess, and you say, I wish I could pursue the good life. I can't believe I'm saying this, but go ahead and do it. I just realized that that soundbite could end my career. The, uh, <laughs> if you ever thought about rebelling against God, Pastor Steve says, go ahead and do it. I don't care, because the point is that if you envy the rebellious, it's a sign that you have a religion with God and not a relationship. And maybe you should just stop pretending and you should just follow your bottomless appetites into the deadly peg, pig pen where they lead so then maybe you can come to your senses and understand that the good life, the life you're looking for, can only be found in the arms of the Father at home, which leads to the last question. Am I missing the party? Am I missing the party? When the older son complains to the father, you never gave me a goat so I could celebrate with my friends. It's a clear expression that he doesn't even feel loved by the father. It's no surprise, no wonder. He didn't have a father relationship 
with his father. He considered himself a slave and his father a taskmaster. And nobody feels love for a taskmaster. Nobody feels love from a taskmaster. And maybe you're here and maybe you just realize why it is that you're not really all that into worship and why you don't really have a real sense of love for God. Maybe you're here and you're convinced that God doesn't love you. He loves other people, but he doesn't really love you. Maybe you're here today and you sense there's a party going on, but you're missing it. Well, here's the truth. The truth is every day the Father is pleading with you to come into this relationship party with him. But you've been too busy out in the field to see the Father coming to you. You've been too far out in the Father's field to hear him pleading you to come into the party. So right now, would you listen? Listen to Jesus as through this story, he calls you home. The Father doesn't want you to miss one more minute of the party. The party is a relationship with the Father. And notice that in Jesus' story, the Father comes out to his older son, pleads with his child to join the party. God loves older sons and daughters like me and you. And so right now, he's calling you home into the party. And it's interesting that Jesus doesn't resolve the end of the story, right? We come to the end of the story, we don't really know whether this older son turns around or not. You know why? Because Jesus wants you to write the end to your story. The Father pleads with you to throw it on your rake of religion and run out of those fields and into his arms where the father will say, welcome home, child. You were lost, but now you are found. You were dead, but now you can really start living. This party, the father says, is for you. It's always been for you. So let the party begin. And uh, that's what we're going to do now. I'm going to ask the band to come on out. And uh, we're going we're gonna to end here with a, with a little party because, you know, Jesus ends his story with a party. So we're going to end here with a little party. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to uh, stand and I'm going to ask you to uh, party a little bit. Uh, and it might get a little loud in here. We might have a little people cutting the rug. We don't know. Uh, but... Uh, but we're going to invite you into this party. Why? Because the party is a relationship with God. And so maybe uh, you've realized that you are a rebellious uh, son or daughter, and uh, you've been living in desperation, but now you hear the Father calling you home. So come on home. Maybe you realize that you're an older brother, you're an older son or daughter, and you've been just working for God. You haven't been really enjoying a relationship with God. Well, he's calling you home, and he's calling you to the party of a relationship with him. So party. Let's party hardy. Let's go into the party, and let's take the party with us. So would you please stand? And uh, we're going to celebrate. We have so much to celebrate because this father not only calls us home, but he puts a robe over us so that we are covered and we're totally new and we have a whole new start with him. He gives us sandals for our feet so we can cut a rug. He gives us a ring for our finger so we have all the power of being a child of God. 
we can have His Holy Spirit in us and live in a whole new way. It's a party, a party of enjoying the Father and enjoying Him every day and inviting other people into the party. Let's celebrate. You already figured it out. Let's put our hands together. We want to thank you for watching and listening to our sermons online. And we hope that uh, you will be inspired to live more like Jesus through these. Please check out blackrock.org for more information about our church. Know that you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. And also uh, know that you can give uh, to BlackRock and to our ministry through PushPay, through our mobile app, and on our website. Your uh, donations and your support of our ministry allows us to have uh, these videos online and for us to impact our community.